the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Monday, October 23rd, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. Good to be back. Hope you all had a decent or good or even great weekend. Uh, sometimes decent these days with everything that's going on seems to be a reach, doesn't it? Welcome back, of course, to uh, David Dahl, my producer, Mr. Bill, who is to my west, and of course, Miss Terry. 602 is the number, 602 Um Yeah, I, uh, a friend of mine and I this morning were discussing something he reminded me of, a line in the inaugural speech of George H.W. Bush's from uh, 1989. It was part of a prayer for our nation. And the line was, use power to help people, quote, use power to help people, close quote. And President Bush uttered it as a plea and reminder for those who had some levers on the control of government, that they should always remember they should only use power to help people. And I initially thought that was a good line, a pretty good line. That is to say, it seems or seemed to me that too many in government lose sight of why they are there or what they are there for. Too often, they become co-opted into protecting their institutions or their fiefdoms and forget the role that they are there to help people, or one might use the word serve people, which is, after all, the job of a public servant. Sometimes they see their roles as promoting and protecting a certain ideology, divorced from actually helping people. Consider for a moment the entire edifice of welfare programmatics, for example. We've spent over $25 trillion, $25 trillion in and on the war on poverty since the 1960s, as one example, and have not substantially moved the poverty rate needle. In fact, the more we spend, the more there seems to be. California alone has spent nearly $20 billion on the homeless problem over the past four years, and yet the problem has grown and grown. The reasons I submit are evidence of both cases stated above, protecting offices and fiefdoms and institutions and ideological rigidity, keeping the problem alive with misplaced compassion wedded to self-justifying needs to maintain the various operations and institutions that claim to help, making employment there more secure than employment, let us say, of the unemployed. So in this one example, homeless. We don't give treatment. We give needles. We don't demand therapy or rehab and recovery. We pat ourselves on the back for the volume of the demand for things like needles and pipes and blankets. We don't provide job training or an economy that fosters job growth or more employment. We pride ourselves on the leniency we show to those who help themselves for free to the goods our stores sell, refusing to enforce the laws against that behavior, theft refusing to call it a crime, which in turn, after enough of that, stores that employ those people simply close. As Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez prattles on that, 
when this happens in New York City. Quote, the problem is not the increase in crime, she says, but the need to help people get bread to feed their families. The problem is not the increase in crime. But she engages in the apologetics that people are stealing bread to feed their families as Amazon delivery boxes are stolen from patios and porticos and common products, not bread, at the drugstores drug are, are put behind lock and key behind, before those drugstores close because they can't afford to stay open because they can't ensure the safety of their customers or employees. So is that actually to go back to the prayer helping people? or satisfying the ongoing and increasing justification for the need of more services that show they actually don't solve the problem, but instead make people feel better about the problem? That is the distinction, seems to me, of note. Solving the problem or making people feel better about the problem. Perhaps it's all about two views of human nature that inherently conflict. On the one hand, progressives think human nature is malleable, changeable, something that Godlike, we have the power to overcome. That arrogance that nature can be overcome runs deep through the progressive mind. At the same time, progressives believe humans cannot change, cannot and should not be coerced or taught to follow the laws of society and have no self-control or rehab and recovery. They come with the arrogancies of believing they can control people, that people, however, cannot control themselves strikes me we have here an inherent irony. Constantine Kisson, Kisson writes that conservatives, on the other hand, believe that no amount of social engineering can change the sober reality of human self-interest or the fact that human empathy and social resources are necessarily scarce. People who see things this way believe that most political and social problems will never be solved. They can only be managed. This approach is the bedrock of the conservative Worldview. I would say it's also the bedrock of humility. And I think it's helpful, though narrow. I think we can solve problems, but it has to be via a coercion of the laws, not a surrender of them. You actually can reduce crime. We've done it. You actually can reduce poverty. We've done it. You actually can reduce the homeless population. We've done it. You, can actu- you actually can reduce drug use. We've done it. But you will never get to zero You can get asymptotically closer, closer to zero, but because utopia does not exist and human nature being what it is, you will never actually achieve zero. You can make better and worse. You cannot make perfect. You can make awful. If utopia literally means a place that doesn't exist, that is to say, even more literally, nowhere, what is dystopia? It's opposite. Obviously, Dystopia is a double opposite. It's both a bad place and a place that can exist. Take with me a moment to reflect on two of our most patriotic songs, America the Beautiful and God Bless America. Amber waves of grain, purple mountains majesty, the fruited plain, oceans white with foam. How many think of America like that just now? Take a thought experiment with me. If someone said to you to close your eyes, take a moment, of quiet and think about America, what is the first image that comes to mind? Is it any of that? Is it amber waves of grain and oceans white with foam? Or does your mind go to an image of some street in Oakland or San Francisco that might be replicated in our own or your own city? 
Do you see children playing in a park, or do you think of something less Norman Rockwellian? Do you see a sun rising or a tear falling, kind of like from the eyes of Iron Eyes Cody? Does your mind go to the notions of freedom and equality, or does it go to something representing a nation in decline? You can do this with the real promised land as well. Do you envision what it was supposed to be right now, a land flowing with milk and honey? Or is it rather a land of mayhem and bomb shelters? When you think of the FBI, a once great American institution, do you think of respected G-men of your protecting us from the mob, or do you think of a politicized and weaponized party apparatus? Use power to help people. I think we err in all this, and we arrive at all this because of distorted views, interpretations, and definitions of words. What does it mean to actually help, for example? We don't really think Joe Biden wakes up thinking, how can I destroy America every morning? Rather, what he thinks is helping is, in fact, not. It is doing the opposite. We may have less disagreement about the concept of transforming America, but the word help seems to be so much clay in an individual's hands. It all comes back to a few things, starting with another quote my friend reminded me of this morning from the great jurist Louis Brandeis. Quote, experience should teach us to be most on our guard to protect liberty when the government's purposes are beneficent. Men born to freedom are naturally alert to repel invasion of their liberty by evil-minded rulers. The greatest dangers to liberty, however, lurk in insidious encroachments by men of zeal, well-meaning but without understanding, without understanding. That's why definitions matter and a view beyond ideology and toward consequence. Constantine Kissin writes that when you let your institutions be captured by an ideology of intolerance and illiberalism masquerading as progress, that has consequences. When you sow division at home and signal weakness abroad, that has consequences. When you debase the public's faith and what they are told by the media and their government, that has consequences too. Western civilization has produced some of the most stunning scientific, technological, social, and cultural breakthroughs in human history. If you consider yourself liberal or even progressive, it must surely be clear by now that America and her allies are the only places in the world where your values are even considered values. If our civilization is allowed to collapse, it will not be replaced by a progressive utopia. It will be replaced by chaos and barbarism. The first never existed. The second, too much. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. David, did you, you, had, you, had, you had quite the busy weekend. You were Quite the busy weekend. You were telling me you, you were at an adult beverage imbibing, <laughs> imbibing institute imbibing, that, had a, yes, yes. that had a special it – was, it was kind of an old speakeasy, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Well, uh, Sunday night I went to a, um, a sort of a, a gala fundraiser for the up-and-coming Phoenix Art Deco Society. And they're mm-hmm. sort of becoming a society of the arts for Phoenix of historical preservation. I was at the, 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 I was at the Hotel San Carlos downtown and they had sort of a, a ballroom there. And yes, there were some uh, prescriptions being filled. No, I know. meant this other place. <laughs> oh, like, this other place. Yeah. Well, after the gala, when we all dressed up in our 20s clothes, a couple of us went out to a place. So in it would have been like a speakeasy. Uh, we went from the speakeasy. Yes, that is correct. And what that was in correct. the speakeasy? We went to another speakeasy, and it was called the Night Owl, and they had some inexpensive pizza and drinks and. Um, 
I'm hoping our good friend uh, Mr. Bill is listening to this right now. They had Rush and um, who was the other one? Oh, I took a picture. They had a Rush and an Iron Maiden themed pinball machine. Which they had an right Iron Maiden and Rush pinball themed machine. That's Mr. Bill all, got Mr. Bill written all over it. He would be the pinball wizard there. Well, he's got to take the drive out there and go. It's, yeah, uh, the night owl, Bill, of, Mr. Uh, Bill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pinball wizard. Pinball wizard. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar with that? No. Is that a song? Uh huh. Part of a rock opera from Tommy. I don't know how you can get credit for Russian. Metallica and not know the rock opera Tommy by the This isn't exactly my type of music. I'm doing this all for Bill. (laughs) Okay, fine. It's, it's, it's... Is he listening over there? Yeah, he should know, though. Shouldn't he, Bill? He is, should, he, is he familiar he with the pinball Iron Maiden, Wizard uh, pinball machine? <laughs> pinball Wizard covered by two of the greatest recording artists of all time. The Who, well, three, really. The Who, Elton John, and Maynard Ferguson. Oh, I see why you're familiar with it. Because of the who. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say because of Maynard Ferguson. And uh, Elton John. And, well, Maynard knows good music. Let's go to John in downtown Phoenix. Hello, John. Hello, Seth. Um, interesting that you're mentioning uh, teaching young David about the who. And young David then is going to have to also learn about quadrophenia, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's weird. Young David, it's weird what he knows. He knows so much about things that shock me all the time. And then it's like... <clears throat> and then some of the big stuff yeah yeah like, yeah he what is this line it's uh he's he's he he swallows camels whole but chokes on gnats <laughs> that's funny seth i remember as a kid we went to go see tommy uh at the theater it was a huge event to of go course see it was that movie at the theater of right? course oh, yeah. next thing he's going to tell me is he's never heard of Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. I know oh that one. Shush. Let's do the time warp, time warp again. Yeah, we used to so, have that in our bumper back when I had producers that weren't impudent. <laughs> hey, Seth. Oh, speaking about music, yeah. also the other night, and you and I are not going to talk Miles Davis, okay. I put on Clifford Brown, Max Roach, and thought about you, and I thought, does Seth know this? It was, it was Seth like, knows Delilah this. And Seth knows stuff. this. Yes, Seth knows this. Yeah, I love that, Seth. And, I, and I, I, I wonder, what do you think about that, and what do you think about Chet Baker? Uh, Chet Baker. Interesting question, Chet Baker. Uh, obvious human tragedy, right? Obviously a yes. human tragedy. Yeah. Um, some people like that sound. So when you get asked for... If you want to recommend kind of a mellifluous trumpet sound, kind of a beautiful sound, you might go to Chet Baker. You might. Uh, nothing special. A nice, decent sound um, and okay. tragedy okay. of a human being. And Clifford Brown? Do you have any take uh, on He's the him? best like- of all of those. All of them. Uh, of the three you've mentioned, Clifford Brown, Miles Davis, and Chet Baker, Clifford Brown is the best. And Clifford Brown died at younger than 30. So that, uh, talk about a, a tragedy. So, I'm uh, Yeah, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of tragic trumpet players. The young man with a horn based on the K- Kirk Douglas movie. You ever see it? No. Young man with a horn. Kirk Douglas it. was based on Big Spiderbeck, who I think died at age 28, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I've heard of I know uh, heard of Big Louis Armstrong said Louis Armstrong said of Big Spiderbeck to hear three notes of his would change your life. Mm-hmm. It's probably an overstatement. I'll have to, but. I'll have to pull up some. 
So it's an I know you have John Dombrowski coming up soon, so I'm going to just see if I could hit a couple of key points okay, here. Okay, quick. Um, sure. I, I wasn't planning on necessarily calling in, but I had something written down to talk with you about. Okay. Um, and if you want me to stick stick after Dombrowski, I, I would wait. Okay. Um, it's, in re- it's in regards to your topic of chaos, okay. because there's numerous things I've seen on podcasts and listened to in regards to that whole thing with chaos. Mm-hmm. And then you spoke about the thing also about, you know, Biden doesn't necessarily, almost like it's not intentional. He thinks what he's doing is good. Right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question that, Seth, okay. because the whole thing, and, and I watched uh, Tucker Carlson uh, last week. T- did you see his little episode about the border? Uh, no, but I saw him in person Saturday night. Okay. Did you <laughs> see the thing on the border, though? See him on the border, on, on his ex thing on no, uh, uh-uh. the border? No. The reason is he is red and angry the whole time. Yeah. And he speaks about destruction and chaos. Okay. And and so my whole thing here is with, with Biden, with the whole energy thing and cutting us off from energy independence and some of the crazy things they are doing uh, to, to sort of weaken us, you know, Afghanistan, whatever. But um, is this the whole thing with socialism? That okay. you need the revolution All right. You're raising an interesting point. And I would distinguish between a lot of the left that does believe in this kind of destruction and you know, the worse, the better. Um, uh-huh. I uh-huh. do believe that they, they do follow that Leninist line. I don't think Joe Biden does. I just don't. I think he's of a different ilk who is basically not really there. There's no there there. Uh, whatever right. wits yeah. he had about them are, are pretty much just he's an empty vessel who has allowed his administration to be taken over by those. If this were 20 years ago, I think he'd be horrified. Joe Biden 20 years ago was against partial birth abortion. He was pro uh, strong criminal laws. He was anti-drug. He was anti-drug strong this is just a, a vessel of who he is i i Correct. it's and and i think i think in that vessel the lenin the leftists have have poured their their views of what you're saying and if these are radical obama people though do they want destruction and chaos for their transformation i think some do i think some do i i i literally think some do i, I th- do too yeah i do I agree with that. Look at the market. Look at the look at the market. And you talk with John Dombrowski all the time about the stock market, and that's an industry I've been in. I was in for but the this. Past is, this years. is an old '60s notion of breaking the system, breaking the system. This was the strategy of Frank, Francis Fox Piven, and I think and her and her husband. Yes, absolutely. There is that notion there. That's right. I, I, I'll let you talk on it on your own whenever you want. Right. But I'll call you another time. God so bless thank you. you very much. I love I love these okay. calls. Thank you, sir. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He brings us our culture and economy update every day that um, that he's available. John, how are yes. you? Happy Monday. I'm doing great. Happy Monday, Seth. Do you have like impertinent producers and assistants who, when you ask them to do something, they 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 think what would be the exact opposite of what I should be doing, and they There's do that. The bizarro, yeah, the yeah, world. bizarro producer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I no, I'm not fortunate enough to have a producer uh-huh. like okay. like you. All right, all right. 
<laughs> and we love David. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if it's fortunate when it's okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. I ask for the Who, I ask for Elton John, and I get Spirit of the Radio. Anyway, John, talk to me. This is interesting. Uh, yeah. We haven't talked about bonds in a while. Uh, the ten-year T hit five yep. percent for a moment today, huh? Treasury yield bumped up above five percent today, uh, and that's that's a pretty big. Uh, you know, it's 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 a barrier that uh, many were waiting yeah. for that to happen, and it did. It happened, and we did see that. Uh, Create a little bit of uh, volatility for stocks. We saw stocks pull back rather rapidly this morning um, as as that occurred. But as quickly as it rose, it did pull back, and it did eventually close down around four point, a little above four point eight percent. So it was a pretty substantial pullback as well. And and we did see stocks rebound as well. Uh, but um, you know, inverse, is, is there an inverse relationship when the bond markets yeah. go up like that? The yeah, the yeah well, traditionally, yeah. what yeah. we what we think about, you hear terms, are, you know, like flight to safety oh. in, in in investing. Okay. And what that means is you have people going towards bonds mm-hmm. uh, and moving away from equities, from stocks. So, and when we did see the rates rising above five percent, now we're talking about the ten-year Treasury, Seth. You know, we've been. Also talking over the past couple of months uh, about shorter term treasuries, you know, the, the two year treasury, which has hit 5%, uh, and that hasn't been, uh, you know, a concern at the time other than we had that in, inverse, um, you know, yield, the inverse yields, right? When we have shorter term yields, uh, higher than longer term yields, but we're starting to see these longer term yields get closer. Uh, to the shorter term yields, which would mean that we're hopefully getting to a point to where we wouldn't have these inverted yield uh, curves any longer. And if that's the case, that's going to certainly uh, indicate some more positive, um, you know, moving forward, we would think. Uh, now, this, what's really important about this as well is that 10 year treasury is uh, something that's used uh, for uh, businesses, for people that are borrowing mortgage rates. I mean, that's what. Uh, a lot of these uh, key indicators go off of this 10-year treasury rate. So as that rate rises, that is a definite uh, indicator that interest rates are rising for the, the consumer out there as well. You counsel on this, right, on bonds and stocks as well? Yeah. Oh, I, sure. I we stocks, use bonds in our bonds, portfolios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Again, a well-diversified portfolio, uh, especially now as we're starting to see bond yields uh, you know, rise, uh, we can feel pretty, pretty good about maybe purchasing some of these bonds, even if they're a little bit shorter term bonds. But again, if you're a long term investor right now, if, if you purchased a, this is an interesting thought, Seth, as yeah. we know, interest rates and value of bonds, uh, are, are, are inverse of each other. As rates rise, the value of that bond that you may own increases or decreases depending on the movement of rates. So if you were to purchase a 10-year treasury right now at 5% and next year treasury bonds were being offered at 4%, yeah. well, then that 10-year treasury you have at 5 is worth more yeah. uh, to an investor. So you'd actually be able to sell that at a profit. So it's very possible that bonds moving forward over the next year or two years may be able to keep up with uh, the opportunity of growth in equities as well. So this is going to be an interesting thought for uh, investors moving forward. And I encourage people that, you know, bonds are starting to look much more attractive now than they were. Yeah. 
uh, over the past decade. And we're, we're at this critical point to where I believe it's probably prudent now at some point uh, to be considering pushing bonds back into the portfolio. Fabulous. If you haven't already done it. Fabulous. Thanks, John. Yeah. You bet. Again, if folks want to get in touch with me and talk a little more about this, they can go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and request an appointment. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Talk tomorrow. All right. You got it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. When Kim Miller, who's the founder and director of Arizona Women of Action, azwomenofaction.com, writes me, I know either something really bad needs to be stopped or something really good by dint of her and her organization's groups is about to happen. She emailed me late last night. Kim Miller, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Seth. Thank you so much. You're such a, a reliable uh, friend and, and someone who stands up for rationality in our state. So you're the one I call. Well, I've learned to listen to you. I People cross, <laughs> cross you guys at their peril. And uh, I'll take direction from your organization anytime. You guys are doing such great and amazing work. Something's going on in Scottsdale at the Scottsdale Unified School District. Um, conversation and a sentence that never would have been uttered. Five years ago, let me try it this way. Scottsdale Unified School District is uh, voting on a bathroom policy. Tell me what's going on, Kim. Yes, thanks for letting us talk about this because you're right. It seems like it should be a no-brainer. It's something that's just obvious, and uh, you know, uh, people just use the bathroom. But you know, the reality is there there are reasons why students might need a special accommodation to use a bathroom that is um, not a multi-stall bathroom, but, but an individual bathroom mm-hmm. for different issues. That There's a student, I think, that, you know, it has some different ca- handicaps I've heard of that, you know, creates a need to have a separate bathroom. Sure. Or there's kids who've had trauma in their life and different reasons. And in the past, people, parents would have to apply uh, for a, a, a doctor's a diagnosis for something in order to get what they call a 504 um, policy. And, you know, but we're finding that there's more and more kids who need an accommodation or desire one. Mm-hmm. And so there needs to be a, sadly, there has to be a policy to figure out how how to, to, to triage these things and how to know it, how to, to grant the specific accommodation that has to be reasonable and it has to not cause an undue hardship for the rest of the students, which right. seems to be obvious. Right. And the other thing that this policy would do that uh, actually Karen Werner at Scottsdale School Board uh, on the school board has um, really worked hard uh, with their even their legal advice and then talked to their attorneys and come up with a very common sense um, policy that just defines what the process is to a student who would like to get a an accommodation and requires parent signatures on these so that uh, they can have a rational uh, you know pathway to to handle these issues that are increasingly coming up seems common sense is there I take it there is resistance to this yes you would think that it would just be this would be completely fine with everybody but um two of the members on their school board have um pushed back pretty strongly saying that there's no need for this policy because they already have the uh american disabilities act um you know procedures 
for people with with disabilities. But this really needs to go beyond someone who has a, a medical diagnosis because more and more kids are asking for accommodations. And the, the fact that there's not been a, a policy, especially for a school district that relies so heavily on policy. Yeah. Um, you, things and they're constantly saying, well, what's the policy? What's the policy? And and so it just makes sense that they should have a policy. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know why. I think they're trying to make it political and it doesn't need to be. If uh, people want to show up at the Scottsdale board meeting on this, the vote is tomorrow night, correct? That is correct. It's it's a meeting um, that there is no uh, public comment at the meeting, but they are going to make a vote or take a vote. Um, And so it's at the I think it's Mojave Middle School and it's at 6 p.m. in Scottsdale. And the address is 8500 East Jackrabbit Road in Scottsdale. And we'll have the information in our newsletter at azwomenofaction.com if you want to get our once a, once a week newsletter there. But it's also up on our Twitter and, and uh, Instagram with, uh, you know, on this issue, just so people will know. And to answer people's questions like, why Scottsdale? Why are we just talking about this one school district? Um, and it's because... We, to our knowledge, most school districts in Arizona, there may be one or two, don't, they don't have any uh, written policy right now. But we're seeing there's chaos created over this sometimes in schools. So we just need to have a rational policy so that there's no guessing for these principles that each have to come up with their own policy. It would just really help everybody. Yeah, I mean, that's our dream in in education reform, whether it's uh, policy and practice or actual uh, pedagogy, uh, do something good and replicate it. Uh, Hopefully others will will follow. And you guys have a good foothold in Scottsdale and at Scottsdale Unified. And I'm so glad you're there. I'm so glad uh, you're active there. So again, it's at 6 p.m. tomorrow, so no one has to interrupt listening to this show. They can listen on their drive to it if they want to go at 8500 East Jackrabbit Road. Can they also write in? They can also write in, can't they? Write yes. In. Yeah. Please ask people, and, and I, I wanted to make sure, just because this issue is going to come up at other school districts, sure. and that's why if this gets approved tomorrow, and we really need you to email the, the school board over there, um, if they could uh, email, I'm going to find that um, that address real quick here. Um, that would be the it's GOV, like government, mm-hmm. but it's GOVBRD as in board, B as in boy, RD, at SUSD.org. And they'll, they'll get to the governing board at Scottsdale Unified School District. Good. And please tell them, please vote yes on this rational, common sense school uh, policy for bathroom use that will help all kids. Good. And, and I, for and anyone that just didn't write it down or whatever, Arizona Women of Action, just go to their website or their Twitter feed. All the information is there, azwomenofaction.com or at azwomenofaction. Right, Kim? Exactly. Because if this fails, the ones who lose are going to be the kids and the parents. And and we want L, every student to uh, feel safe in their in their places. Yeah, you know, I, I, I should focus more on these kinds of policies. My orientation has been more on the pedagogy and what's being taught. But the truth of the matter is you can't get to that. You can't get to the teaching and the learning uh, if, if you have this kind of this kind of stuff going on and you don't have this buckled down. The p- policies and practices and these kinds of procedures, they're critical to the element of actually having not just discipline, but, you know, some level of 
of satisfaction and sanity in what we're putting the kids yeah. through, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it is, this just keeps decorum during the day, right. it keeps just things moving forward so the kids focus on learning and not whether they're embarrassed in a bathroom sure. because you know, something, you know, maybe they have It solves a chronic. lot of problems. It's a common sense a solution of, to solving a lot yeah. of problems. That's what this does. It, and that's what this is. Right. It, and it makes it easier on teachers. And it makes <laughs> it teacher, easier on teachers. It makes it easier on principals. You guys are great. Yeah. Um, thanks, Kim. I, 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 I'm kind of full, but I wanted to work you in, as I always will, anytime you ask. So thank you for doing what you're doing. You and the fine ladies at Arizona Women of Action, you know how highly I think of you. azwomenofaction.com. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. you thank betcha, you, Seth. Obviously. Uh, folks, these these people really know what they're doing. They're really smart. They're really active in the education fields and others. azwomenofaction.com. And you don't have to be a woman to join. Help them out. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Impertinence. Contumacy. I make a game out of it. Uh, yeah, well, go play that game somewhere else. We have a limited amount of space for music. Let's make it good. Oh, believe me, believe me that wasn't in our permanent rotation. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. We don't no. have any Chuck Berry in that permanent rotation. And we should! Portions of this show are brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. They really are good people. Very active in the community. They're based here in the community. Scottsdale Road in the 101. Love for you to stop by if you'd like. They're happy to talk about what it is that they do. You won't get a sales pitch so much as an explanation of their investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio with a ton of flexibility. A ton of flexibility. You'll know what each monthly statement will look like. You can turn your monthly income on or off. No surprises. Compound uh, your income, uh, whatever you like, if you prefer that. And there's no loss or penalty if you uh, need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. They are a due diligence approved firm. And uh, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. 888-YREFI-24. Did you have a policy issue you wanted to raise? Aren't you interested to know why I was playing School Days no, by Chuck I'm Berry? No, I'm not. I know. I I, you were inter- – I'm not. I know why you were. I know exactly why you were. It, because of the Kim Miller interview. No, that's, that's why. not why I was playing oh, well, School Days. By we were Chuck talking Barry. education, so you played School Days. That seemed to be a pretty linear concept. Yes, I I, I was playing School Days because um, yes, in relation to the policy uh, idea and concept that I wanted to talk about with you, I finally signed up for the uh, Hillsdale College uh, class on supply side economics and American policy. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I finally I did the you know I did when, all the signing. Do you up do it on your own time? Did. Yeah, it's a, it's about five hours, like credit hours, uh-huh. you know, um, and it's uh, it's free. Fantastic! So I get to, you know I'll get a piece of paper. At the all end. right, now now <laughs> when you're knowledge. done with that. Check out a couple other professors there in the political philosophy department, okay? Oh, I know. I, I want to take some of Victor David Hansen's stuff if it's also free. It just depends. Yeah, but if not him, take my professor. Your professor. I had, the, I had a professor in grad school who's now there. And what's the name? Thomas G. West. Okay. Well, I will. And I had to, a uh, – and, and, and take a class from um, 
my uh, we were fr- we were students together, friends in grad school uh, together. Who's now a professor there, uh, R.J. Pastrito. It just depends if it's uh, available on their online. Yeah, course. I'm sure. I bet one of them. I, I bet at least one of them will be. Yeah. I bet at least one. Well, we have a lot of fun coming up. Uh, State Senator Anthony Kern and the great Robert Kiyosaki in the house. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.